Welcome to Black History Matters 365 with your host, Joe Skate, and visiting host, Dr. T, the people's psychologist with real relationships. We are celebrating the month of Black history. Yes, February is a celebration of the month of Black history, preserving the history that's a part of the American history. Or we say at BHM 365, turning the eye on African-American history, that it is American history. But at the same time, looking at different cultures and different things and different issues that actually make up this rich history that makes it American. I love that. And without any further ado, we have Dr. T with us on this topic all month. We are going to be coming in and out of Black history, the Black family, everything this month. So Dr. T, thank you for being with us this month for Black history. It is a pleasure to have you in the studio today. How are you, sir? Thank you, Sister Joanne. I am doing fine. You know, we've had a brief little intermission, but, you know, me and you, and this, we are so spiritually connected that it's you guys can't see us, but we even wearing the same thing. I mean, it is powerful how God has knitted us together. And, and, and anytime I'm hanging out with you, it's a good day. That's awesome. That is so awesome. And me too. I, you know, vice versa on that. <laughs> it is exciting <laughs> to have you here today. And um, it is amazing that we are at another Black History Month. Yeah. And um, each month, we tend to serve different topics, different things. But there's always a focus on Martin Luther King. No matter what, he is a great representation of um, Black history. But there are so many parts to it. And there's so many other people that make it up, including Mm -hmm. the church itself. So we are going to be discussing the Black family, as well as introducing Black history itself and the Black church. So kind of three topics at one, they all kind of go together because it is Sunday morning kicking off this particular topic. But let's start, um, Dr. T, with the Black history and how important it is. Do you think, or can we say, why is Black history more important than ever today? Well, that's a great question, Sister Joe. And I like to preface my answer with coming from a scriptural, from the God word of God, which reads in Ephesians uh, 4 and 3, that says, uh, we must be endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Let me repeat that again. Ephesians 4, 3 says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in mm. the bond of peace. And to me, it's impossible, Sister Joe, to maintain a sense of unity or peace unless you know your history. That's right. Your your history is the foundation in which uh, our history, African-American history is the foundation in which we stand. It gives you a, it gives you a unified place, a place of reckoning from which you can draw from, which everything in your life you encounter, uh, you know, uh, has to be synthesized and understood. So even more so these days when there are so many things that are pulling on our lives to, uh, disunify us, uh, and also take our peace. History is very important when you think. 
I would absolutely think so because, and a lot of times history, I love what you're saying about that. And a lot of times we misconstrue history because we don't know it and we Mm. don't understand it. And Mm. then we don't know how much a part of it is in our life, how much it is a part of our lives. And it really is. And so we don't discuss the stories. We don't discuss the things of how people overcame the hardest time in history, or we we just don't discuss it. We don't have um, quorums about it. We only focus again on Martin Luther King Jr. when we should be focusing on what he really, 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 really stood for. And he was a minister. You know, when you look and read his different sermons, everything was based off the Bible. It was biblical more than anything. But I love a quote by him, and it fits what you're saying, why we don't understand history or why people fail to understand history because they fail to understand each other. Mm -hmm. And he says this, people fail to get along because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other. They don't know each other because they have not communicated with each other. Wow. Ooh, man. That's pretty much what you're saying right now. We're failing on every end is what he's saying. To know each other, to get to know each other, and to communicate with each other. We're just doing Black history because it's Black history. We're doing the program, and we're really not doing the people. Understanding what the people are gone through or continually going through or why what they went through is important and how it has affected their lives and their family lives and the future of mm-hmm. generations to come. That's wow, the- really? Oh, you're on it. You know, and that's why I say black history is important more than just it being a, it should be all year not just February. It should be all year. We should be learning more about each other every Mm -hmm. single year. Because here's another fact about it, why we don't understand each other, because we only look at it as being Black. Not that I want to negate from, you know, having, um, knowing Black people who have made a difference and carved the path for us right now, but there are other cultures that contributed to Black history that we tend to leave out. And we need to start looking at things as a multicultural as well when it comes to Black American or African American history and American history together. So many different ways we can approach it. And this is why I say it's important today. And let's focus on today and what's happening now with CRT, with trying to get it out of schools, with trying to just block Black people from being known, period. It is important today. We got to stand for our history now more than we've ever stood for it. Because right now, they're trying to etch it out for good. Mm -hmm. They're taking it out of the schools. The little bit that was there or trying to go in, they're either trying to block it or either trying to take it out. But that's Mm -hmm. okay. Because that goes, that that runs into the Black family. Mm -hmm. What are you doing on a personal basis to mm. actually tell your child about your history because that's how we can change it. Yeah. So wow. I just really believe that strong heartedly that 
it is important today more than ever. They are taking down the street name here in Nashville, Tennessee. They're trying to take John Lewis's street name. I don't know if you know that. They're trying to put, they're trying to take a portion of that street name, John Lewis, and put Donald Trump on it. What? Mm-hmm. There is a bill trying to be passed for that. So they're trying to etch it out. They're trying to etch out the most important things that make us who we are. And on small scales, they're doing this. So to me, that's what I mean. And I ask you that question, why is it important, more important than ever? It's because those reasons right there, taking it out of the schools, the libraries, when we were just getting to the point of sharing it more. That's that's a powerful thing. When you think about our people, you know, there was more education that took place between, uh, I think it was in the period of the 1800s when, you know, prior to that, a lot of us, because it is right with your knowledge and understanding of your history, but prior to that, we had ways that we shared information. Although it was, we were prevented from talking, we had that, that oh, I forgot the system that they had, that they had codes and ways that they could con- communicate between the certain plantations to keep the history and the story alive because some of us, many, many of us were split. And so right. the history was, was to keep us kind of bonded so we could understand each other. It was, it was, it was a part of survival to understand that where, where someone was like your family member that was really important to you was taken away somewhere. You could learn where they are, you know, because understanding that are they still alive? Are they still around and, and how are they doing? I mean, those things are, I mean, back then, our communication was real tight. It's almost like having a newspaper. I mean, you know, but 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 if you think back now to those times, uh, you think more education happened when there was a, I guess, the world was just filled with people, not that we didn't know anything. It was just due to slavery. We, you know, those those those, those stories were not carried over because it was kind of shut off attempted to anyway, to keep us from understanding, uh, you know, some of our history. And even that, without, you know, the the bad things that slavery presented, also there was a lot of good things that African-Americans did. Don't you, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but, 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 I mean, you think about Tiger Woods and the PGA, African-Americans back in the days in the 1800s had professional golf associations that were were unanimous. There was, there was a, like a business party in Durham, North Carolina, that was just thriving, a busy black community. So those things are important for our children's children to know because they're foundational because they build a sense of who we are and who we right. can become. I mean, and I'm, as a psychologist, I understand that the hardest thing for people to get is to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a, if you have a paradigm in which it's all depleted and it's not positive, and if and that's all negative. You can't succeed. You know, you you maybe can, but you have to live above the 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 uh, what is that? Live above the. Uh, you're always a higher achiever over things that you don't know. It's always like you're trying to climb over things. But if you got that history, you believe that you can do it because you've seen other people do it. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this we 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 got to fight on our hands. We really do. Yeah. And I love what you're saying, the stories that are passed on. Like I said, I agree with you on that. Um, And when we pass those stories on, we see other people that look like us are achieving that, that would give us the strength to 
see that we can move on because that's how it happened through slavery is that, you know, they passed the stories on and we saw them achieve things. So and they laid the foundation, excuse me, for their children's children. And for some reason along the way, that has taken a back seat. And it's time to rethink how we need to do that today, which kind of leads into what I was going to ask, too, is how do we keep it alive and functioning? Because right now, people are just in a frantic that, oh, they're trying to take it away. But my my saying is they can't take it away because I am Black history. You yeah. are Black history. Your mm-hmm. your mother, your father, their stories. So it is up to us to tell those stories. I do understand. Don't get me wrong as far as the books that have been written and everything where it needs to be. But they really can't take that away from us because we are living Black history. And so one of my ways is thinking, how do I? And I begin to question myself. How do I share the Black history experience? One of my ways is through this podcast, but how do I do that on a daily basis with my nieces, nephews, you know, and every black child, white child, Asian child, Hispanic child that I come in contact with? How do I do that? I share the stories that have never been told, Mm. the facts and the truths about how we really did get over and how Mm. continuously getting over or we're going we're getting through our difficulties because i truly believe we're gonna always have some difficulties in life no matter what Mm -hmm. Uh, you know because there are people trying to keep racism and all that alive so we're gonna run into that but functioning wise we keep it when we become it and we really embrace it and we teach it on our level and then hopefully it spills over and someone learns and they repeat the same thing. That's that's kind of my way. What do you think about that? I think that's a very good uh, way to do it, Sister Joanne, is to have those ways of, because, uh, you know, you really can't take what's in a person. But I would say also to, to contribute to that outstanding way that you explained it was that we have to make it a part of our of our every effort to understand it, to 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 gain knowledge and more awareness, to find uh, things that we have our history, really to know ourselves, and so it's just gonna it's gonna take us time to sit back, to spend time about reading literature. We got to read, you know. You got to read. You got to understand. We got to start putting stuff in our minds that 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 that's really about the core and the essence of understanding areas of part of our psyche and our mind that we don't understand. Because if you don't take time to really educate yourself, it's a personal thing. What you're saying, and it's true, this is a personal charge to everyone out there. Until your education becomes personal, then you will be so unintentional about it. You won't take the time. But it has to be a personal, um, and also from people who are mature, adults and people, we got to make it uh, available for our young people. We have to gain access for those readings to be able to talk through those things. And and as mature adults, what you learn, go back and teach it to your kids. Don't make teach it to your grandkids and to your to your granddaughters, your sons, and and people like that. 
I mean, me myself, I don't know. I don't know everything about uh, my history, black history, but you know, I've made it a point for the last couple of years to really dig down deep into that and start studying. You know, so it's kind of helped open my eyes to a lot of things and 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 open some questions. I mean, right. you know, when you read news. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's. I mean, right. it's a personal thing. We have to take that up on our own to make sure that we educate ourselves as well as the people that are following in our footsteps. Exactly. Very mm -hmm. good answers. I mean, and the way that we're doing it now with this podcast and the whole reason for this Black History Matter podcast is it goes back to reading, like you're saying, because this podcast was based on a book called Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history by two authors who were black, one's white and one's black, who's telling their journey and also incorporating their journey you know, in this book about Black history and what they know in their research on it. And they put this book out. And, you know, the audience, you can order this book, um, Black History um, 365, an inclusive account of American history. I'll put it in the notes, but it's starting by reading. It's reading what went on in the past and 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 really diving into those stories and sharing it. And I like what you said. Now we're at a point where I believe, and here's the overall answer, it's a personal charge now for us to sure. take up the mantle and we begin to study it. We First, we research it, we read about it, we study it well, and then we share it. And that's what's going to keep it alive and functioning and well. And then we live it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's true. Now, you know, that's a deep life. When you get to experience it and live it, uh, that's a way to keep it consistent. Because one thing in this in this world, the world has become so culturally aware. I mean, today, the culture is taking over everything. You, you, culture is everywhere you look. Everybody's got a culture. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But we have to understand our culture. But I think the reason why Black history is a threat to so many people is because of they feel like if you learn Black history, then you're like you're armed. I think at times some people think that it's, it's, it's been utilized in a way of derogatory, making kids, you know, derogatory, making kids feel like they're guilty and mm -hmm. or making white people feel like when the reason why you're learning is because you're going to put them down. No, I'm trying to understand myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm under trying to understand this world in which I live and how I can live as African-American, how I can survive in the world, how my people survive. And it's not about guilt. It's about understanding. I'm not mm -hmm. throwing around guilt anywhere. I'm just trying to find the truth. And the Bible says when you learn the truth, the truth will set you free. So I'm just right. saying, in essence, I'm trying to free myself so I can be myself. And amen. that happens only by, hey, man. Not like that. Well, yeah, for yourself, be yourself so that I can understand myself, so that I can be a better citizen of America. I could be a better preacher. I could be a better father. And I could also instill that in my kids to have a sense of of, 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 of pride without being, uh, without, without not, not a bad pride, but a good pride, a good feeling about themselves. Dr. King said, in order to, in order to love others appropriately, I got to and started a, uh, in order to love other people appropriately. I got to own my own. I got to learn to love my own self properly. 
And so I, I'm trying to create a sense of loving myself. When I study my history, I'm trying to learn to love myself because if I can look down deep and find all the things that the, you know, that the Nat Turners and all these people did, the Dr. Kings and all the history, it builds a sense of pride in me that 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 it frees me up to understand that, yeah, I'm somebody and I can be something. Now I understand some people take can, can take things, you could take anything and do bad with it. But I'm trying to do good with it because I'm trying to learn myself so that I can be a better person. And my history is important for me to do that. Mm -hmm. And when you take my history, you take myself. You can't do that. Yeah. You know, I love it. Absolutely. I Absolutely. Love it. The Dr. King said we came over here on a lot of different ships, but now we're living in America. We all in the same boat. <laughs> love that. Love yeah. that saying. Well, you know, it's interesting because with Black history, we can't get away from the Black family because right. during that, you know, the whole Black history and learning who it is and who we are, there was such a close knit when it came to the Black family because of some of the the negative side of enslavement. That word enslavement brought us together more because we were being bought, sold, separated, and all of the above. And it made us closer. And there were some good things that came out of that. And that is the close-knitness of the family. So, you know, we're moving to our next topic, the Black family. And my big question with that is, where is the Black family? Or what state of mind do you think the Black family is in right now? Ooh, man, we ain't got time. That's a deep question. So deep. That's layered. So, that's a layered. That's a. Yeah, I got a layered response. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing, though. Yeah. Remember, we're we're not going to try to answer all of this. These are topics we're going to be going throughout the week. So um, gotcha. bring me home with you know <laughs> <laughs> right now because this is your specialty, um, Doctor T, the people's mm. psychologist. So. Where are we right now? Or what did we take from that time of closeness where we overcame or we shall overcome moment and we did it and we're still doing it? What are we taking and, and how does that look? Now, we could give some statistics, you know, mm -hmm. easily. And I have a few here of the Black fan before I have you to jump in. In 2021, um, it was about the Black family. Just give you some numbers. Um, right. 10.3 million black families are living in the USA, 10.3 million. So mm. when we look at the state of the black family, we can make an impact if we get this family thing right. And that's why we're right. talking about it. 37% has both parents. Mm. 37%. I thought that was lower, but it's not. It's higher than I thought it was. Me and too. then when it comes to the fertility rate or in the U.S. between 20 and 18 and 2020 for blacks, the blacks is actually the lower for Hispanics. It is 20, 23.7 percent for blacks is 15.2 percent. And get this, the fertility rate now for whites is 52.6, uh, 52.1. That, 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 that doesn't surprise me. Uh, yeah. we, we always are, it seems like the majority of our percentages in our family, just in that sense, as a, as a, as a people, 
we're always leading the category in derogatory places. Like 70% of our, 70% um, of uh, single parent mothers are born, have, an, have, an, have an un unmarried child, uh, unwedded, they're from unwed situations where 70% of our, our women are having babies and they're not married to the person they're born with, meaning that they're, 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 they're having relationships of sin, you know, sex mm -hmm. not being married. Mm -hmm. And so we got all these things. And, and so if you ask me the state, I think one of the states of us is that we are, we are a people that will always are resilient, but it's almost like this. We had a group one time, and this is going to describe what you just asked me. And so they thought resiliency was a good word to say about African-Americans. We were trying to find a word that we could, a couple of, couple of action words we could say what African-Americans are. But if you keep thinking about resiliency, resiliency is really pressure. I mean, you know, resilience is, if you look at it one note, it is good to be resilient, but sometimes you get tired being resilient. Always pressing through something and trying to overcome something. But that's been our history. So if I would say the state of the black people is that we yeah, we have, we have had privileges and things that have come because of affirmative action and the civil rights issue and the civil rights movement and the many things that we fought to have, but we're still in resilient mode. We're still in, we're still fighting, we're still swimming upstream. And and, and it is an asset to some of us because we're still here, which some things should have took us out. But I want to talk to us about the things that we should do for ourselves in order to combat the things that's coming against us. Number one is we got to educate ourselves. It's what you're saying. We got to go back and find the truth about who we are so that we can find some foundational things that will, will, will take out of our mind the things, the lies that we've been taught about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. I can't come to tell you when I found out how we have survived and how we in Durham, North Carolina, they had banks and businesses and entrepreneur uh, 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 businesses and stuff that were doing really, really good. To understand those things, what that did to my psyche, what that did to my motivation, because I believe that old saying, if you see it, you can do it. So the black family now is struggling for, still struggling for survival. We're not united as we should. It seems like to me that we got the crowd mentality. We don't. We we can't get happy about anybody else that's succeeding at times. And I'm not saying that we're the only race, but we got an issue with that. Uh, when you go and look at our communities, our communities are the way they are. You know, what are we doing together to make that a problem? I mean, to make that a solution. What are we What are we doing as a, as a nation? Of black people, you know, where where are the men, the fathers? I know there's some good fathers out there that are fathering your children. Why are we leaving our kids? Why are mm -hmm. we still doing it? Why are we still believing that lie? Mm -hmm. You know, why don't? And there are some out there, and I want to apologize if I'm not saying that all of us are like that to this listening audience, but we got to have a better united stand. And uh, I don't think that'll come. Just by knowledge alone, I think it comes by a change of heart. Our heart's got to be changed. Mm -hmm. And the only one that can change that is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's going to take a change of heart because a change of heart produces a change of behavior. And a change of behavior produces a change of reaction. 
And so in order for us to react right, you got to go down back, you got to back that up and back those levels. It takes a change of heart, it takes a change of behavior and a change of action, a reaction. Mm-hmm. And until that happens. So we got to start having a love for ourselves as well as our love for other people. We got to stop allowing ourselves to be emotionally uh, fixed on what society and cultures tell us. We got to fix our heart and, and get this word of God on us and stand on the truths that God gives us. Because God moved to Israel. Israel wasn't, a, you know what I mean? They were last, right? They were God last. said the last shall be first. Yeah, and God mm-hmm. moved on them. But we got to get a sense of feeling good about who we are. We got to start understanding who we are. We got to get back in the word of God, do godly principles. I understand that Christian people sometimes, have, um, they don't always do the right thing. And, then, and, and so therefore, they don't get the right privileges and a lot of times of being a Christian. But this is bigger than that. I'm just saying, I think it has a personal. So I think a lot of people have uh, shrunk back. I think because of the pandemic, it caused us to go into our own silos. So now we were a communal people. Now we've become strangers. We've allowed the culture to make us become what it is. Mm-hmm. So now we're biting and devouring each other, like James says, killing each other. Yeah. We're not supporting each other. Look at the situation with Tyree Nichols. I mean, what right. would cause some guys to go off like that? And here they were put in an area that was impoverished to control it. It always reminded me of the slave police that they had to keep slaves intact back in the 1600s. Wow. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know, in places like that. What causes people to be that angry? And there's been several things that came out about what, what caused that. But I believe that we, 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 we're we allowing things to settle because of our resilience in us, and we're not dealing with it. So they're coming out in so many different ways. And some of those ways are either jealousy, rage, and all this is against each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just think we got a lot of work to do. Yes, there is a lot of work to do. And I like what you say and and what you're saying in there is that we got to become more united. Yeah. It's it's yeah. like we're kind of divided. And, I, and it is true. We are killing one another. If you just look in the news long enough, you can see that we, our own communities are killing and stealing and breaking one another. And yeah. we got to stop doing that. When someone raise above their poverty level and they become successful in life, you don't go and steal what they earned mm-hmm. and what they have. And then you don't kill them just because you're jealous or you don't have that and they do. Or you're trying to steal their money or even take away what something that means that's very important to them. We have got to become more united. And, we do and I, yeah, and I think it goes back to, you know, black history, um, actually just being able to understand our history and where we come from, because I think if half of these people really knew the stories and not just hmm. some of the stories and that and really knew how hard it was for our race to get some of those guys during the enslavement time that overcame some things and created and became inventors and bankers and and all that to carve the path for us you think they carved a path for them to steal and kill for us Mm -hmm. to steal and kill one another no they carved the path for us to unite like you're saying we're Mm -hmm. doing that we're and we just gotta come together there is a 
to come together and it, and it's back to the personal, taking a personal step. Mm-hmm. And we could and we could improve on that, Sister Joe. You're so right. Here, people might say, "Well, the world is so big right now." You're talking about all African Americans come together. And and first thing to say that this is not just coming together to start some kind of revolution. You right. know, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying that's is right. coming. Not. Here's how. And right, because I understand that going out to the world and make the world that's a big, uh, big goal. But starting your families, start there right in our families. Right at home. Start right. Start right there. Work it out that way. Start with that. Start with your family. Start providing for your kids and for your the family members. And family members stop biting. Everybody wants to go over big, you know, you want to go to Mendia's house and we go over there with Oregon and raising cane. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, stop doing that. Take those times to be able to unite with your family and your family members and to start right there. Build a family business. Put something structurally. And then also Take some time away when you get together like that. Put education, put an educational piece in there of what we're saying of the African-American history. So you can rehearse it right there at your family reunion and talk about the strengths of how we came through. Sometimes we talk. I'm not saying that we need to be oblivious to all the bad things that happened to us, but we also need to talk about some of the good things we've done, how we've overcome certain things. Because I'm telling you, if I work when I work with people as psychologists, I like to work from people's strengths. And then deal with their weaknesses. I think mm. African American people have faced so much about their weaknesses that they don't know enough about their strengths in order to think that they're strong. Mm. So we need more of the history of our strengths and how we, you know, survived and how we thrived in certain areas, so that we can. So when the other lie comes to us, we can just say, I mean, that ain't that. That's a myth's truth. You know, I'm from a people that that have been business people, business owners, entrepreneurs. I've been through people that survived some of the most horrific things in their life, the Atlantic slave trade. And, and I've had people that are have been prominent business places. Yes, they've been opposed. Yes, they've been kind of pushed down, but yet still I rise, you know, as my Angelo says. Yeah. That's, that's, that's our story, man. And if we could rehearse that more and more to our kids and our children's children, they'll get it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And, um, to pass right. on to the next right. generation. And right. we got to, yeah, and I love that what you're saying, Dr. G. It's like our strengths. We got to capture those more and and own those more. And don't be embarrassed to own those. And, and you know, mm-hmm. own them, you know, with pride and talk yeah. about them. Don't own them to weaponize people. Well, we did this and we did. No, you because you should be proud that, you know, these inventions, inventions that came about, about because of a Black race, you know. So learning to really own our strengths. I love that. That is really, really good. And truths are... Hmm? Go ahead. Truths. No, I'm just saying truths are so important to everyone's life. I'm going to speak to you out in the podcast area. Hidden truths, everybody deserves to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Let's just stop a second and pause. Mm-hmm. Think about your child or someone you love in your family. Wouldn't you rather tell them the truth? Wouldn't you want to know that they know what the truth is? And I'm sure truths are tainted everywhere. But to the best of your ability, seek truth. Mm-hmm. And have and be people out there who think that 
people are learning about African-American history just to get it to weaponize it or to be able to talk down or make people worse. I, I don't condone that either. But I, what I do want to get behind is that everybody deserves their truth. Yeah. You know, a person that don't know the truth is just set up to believe a lot of lies. Mm-hmm. And that person will be a bitter person. So you really want people to know the truth. You know, and people out there who are weaponizing things with the truth, you got that in every kind of race. So you can't prevent that. But everybody deserves to know the truth about themselves so that they can add a positive nature to this world so that they can create a better life for not only their children's children, but, you know, you know, this this whole humanity, this whole society. Amen. Very, very good. And I, I love that. And that leads to our last topic um, that we're going to be discussing throughout the month. And that is the black church, because mm. I do believe when it comes to the black family, the black church has a lot to do with that. Um, yeah. You know, looking through enslavement times, the pastor, he was he was the cornerstone of the village or, you know, of the he played an important role when it came to um, um, families' lives and people look yeah. to the pastor. Where you know, when we think about this, and this is going to be a topic of a show uh, by itself. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. for sure. When it comes to um, the black church, my question to that is: Why is the black church quiet? I got a good word for that. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. If the church is the church is the bride of Christ, then wouldn't you think that, and I'm not saying that, well, I'm going to just say the truth. If the church is the bride of Christ, then the word should direct how you function as a church. Now, the church is in some churches are doing this and some are not. I'm not saying every church. Right, right. But I'm saying the ones that are silent, they have, you need to get the word of God central. If you're if you're a church and you're a Christian, then the Bible should be your roadmap. Otherwise, if you ain't going to live by the billboard, put down the sign. If you're a church, be the word church. The Bible talks about how everything stands on the word of God, right? Mm-hmm. Everything stands. So you've got your you've got your recipe. You got your menu. Get back to the menu. Stop letting culture create your paradigm. Mm. Get back to the word of God. Don't let the culture create your paradigm. You've got the answers. Stand on the word of God. And the churches that are not that are being quiet. They're allowing social, cultural things to come in and dictate the meaning. They're sitting behind their political agendas and they're sitting back and allowing them to dictate what they need to say. And they scared. Some of them are shut up. I call them I call them the grooms in the upper room. They're sitting up in the closet quiet mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're not standing on the word of God. Now, look here. Christians have always been oppressed and pressed down and distressed. And 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 attacked. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you take up this thing, he already told you that. Don't think it's strange the fiery trials that'll try you. 
But what we've allowed to do for some of the churches, now to those churches who are doing good, stand on the word of God, keep going. Because I'd rather you, I'd rather you preach the truth, whether it's to a field house or an empty house, as long as you preach the truth. If they all coming in and packing the church because you're pre preaching the truth, good. If they're leaving the church because you're preaching, preaching the truth, good. You just make sure you're standing on the truth. But you also have to have some love in that truth, too. So don't get it twisted. Now, <laughs> what I'm right. saying is get, get, get back to the standard. Yes. Stay with, with the GPS. Stand right there. Now, I think that the churches who are not standing on the word of God as a principal way of operating, they are because culture has become so dominant now. And political things have become so dominant now, even in Christian spaces, that mm. the church says, now because we go back to the old English church because taxation, they were shutting down the church and keeping them shut up back then. Mm. So we understand that we, you know, hey, you shut me down about preaching the truth, good. But we got to get back to the word of God. We got to, we going to have to man up and woman up and, and Christian up to what's going on in this world and stand on the word of God. That's why with every, I heard this one guy said, everybody coming out the closet, but the church. And I believe that's true. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about coming out of the closet for homosexual reasons and all of that. What I'm saying is that there are people coming out with certain things with the world's answers out of their closets and the church that some churches are not coming out standing with God's principles. And the, the reason being is that God's answer, you got to give God's answers to people. You can't give your answers to people. Right. Shut up and say what God said to the people who are struggling. They need those answers. And then your job is well done. Because if you don't, you're contributing to what's going on out here. That's why the world is going crazy, because you ain't speaking to it. Mm. So what, what do you think? Absolutely. I'm in agreement with everything you're saying. And I love what you're saying is that the reason why the world is going crazy is because you're not speaking to it. And that's why the church is quiet. It's speaking, but it's not speaking the right word to the people. Because if you look at growing up in the black church and in the older days, the black church was, you know, it would it would speak up. It would straighten up a child when they're gone the wrong way. They had the youth programs um, to make sure you stay on the right path. The church was there to make sure that your child knew the word of God. It's just there's been a falling away of taking care of younger people because they are the generation of the next generation of the church. And we've lost that. We've lost that. I'm sorry. It's Absolutely. It's gone. So Absolutely. we might offend some people right now, but I, I do agree with you. There are people that are trying to do it. There are brothers and sisters out there in Christ who are doing an excellent job at trying to get our youth and train them up in the right way they should go and speaking the word of God. We're not saying everybody's like that, but a predominant amount of, you know, the churches are silent. And they're silent to the word and like you're saying, the teachings and the principles of the father. And they're more focused on the culture and what the culture needs and how to line up with the most famous and the most wealthy 
in mm. the most, how do I get my next book out? How do I, you know, capitalize on, you know, making sure that I have property for my, um, leaving a legacy for my family by stealing from other people who have it. It's, it's just, I could go on and on. It's more caught up in the culture of what more can I gain from God mm. materialistically than spiritually. And when we die, Sister Joe, you you preaching that thing. When we die, now to, I'm going to speak to those churches who may be what you just said. What you going to do when you got to face him? And he asks you that question. How he invested in you. Why the story of the talents? If he asks you, did you dig it down instead of going out much, what are you going to say? Now, all those people are just putting pressure from society. Society, is, society, look here, society won't change until the church changes. When the church changes, church is supposed to guide the culture. The culture is supposed to guide the church. That's right. And we, we are not out front. We need to get on the front line. I mean, it's straight up because, it's, I mean, I always said, if you have your church in a community and you can pull it out and, and none of them people in that community don't miss you, man, you might as well shut the doors down and turn into a Walmart. <laughs> Which some have, including Walmart in their churches. <laughs> yeah. They have bought shopping centers. But you're right. Um Oh, you're just hitting it on the nail there. So deep discussion, not one we want to have as a church because there's so many issues to be addressed, you know, not only in the family, but as a church family, too. And I think sometimes there's a fear of facing them, just like the um, Martin Luther King's um, quote that I just read. It's the fear of knowing each other, you know, and understanding mm -hmm. each other. The church is going through that. When yeah, I yeah. know what you're really like, yeah. <laughs> and you're not lined up with the word of God, then I'm going to be yeah. fearful of that, and I'm going to do everything I can to quiet myself and everything I'm doing. I'm going to hide it, everything. So it's just here we have to go back to unity again. I think when we're hitting on all three of these subjects, there's a there is a line, you could sum it up psychologically, but there is a, a thread through here. It's called personal and it's personal, it's personal and then it's unification. Personal unification. Wow, that's a word. Yeah, that, that's so true. And we got to do the hard work as Christians of that goes back to history. We got to learn what God's word says to the culture in which we are ministering to. We're not spending time. Look, hey, it ain't the Ecclesiastes, ain't nothing new under the sun. They still had the same problems back then that we're yeah. having right now. Right now. That's right. That's right. So the word will fit any word. The Bible says just his word will accomplish any word wherein it is sent. And so that's what I'm saying. We don't need to shrink back. We need to we need to do the hard work up front of getting in the word of God. Then the Holy Spirit give us what to say. And he then, then 
That's that's the key. And then we can speak to this culture. See, why the millennials are not coming, they're listening. Mm-hmm. And they're not hearing from the pulpits what they're dealing with in their lives. So they're saying, man, this stuff doesn't fit me. It, I mean, there doesn't have no meaning to it because it's not helping me. And there's mm-hmm. enough in this Bible that can speak to them about anything that we encounter. We just got to do the work. The church, you got to do the work. We got for you guys are out there, and when women are out there doing the ministry, I'm saying, and you're affecting your culture right, and you're teaching and training them. Go, keep going. For those who are not, you can get back up. We serve a get back up God. Mm-hmm. Some of you guys are, and women are wondering where I need to stand. Stand on the Word of God. You know it. Just get back to it. And yes. I'm not saying beat people upside the head with it. But I'm saying the Holy Spirit will guide and give you what to say. But you got to put something down inside of you. There has got to be something stronger than a resistance from the outside that's making you not come out mm-hmm. to make you come out. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so whatever they mm-hmm, feed that and then come on out. And I'll see you outside. Yeah, see you outside. Meet you outside. Yeah. Outside the four walls, because that's where we got to go. And that's what's screaming right now for our direction. I love that you say the church should be calling the shots. We should in the culture. We should be laying the foundation, but we're so afraid of the issues that we don't have the right answers. But that comes with the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, not my spirit, not my ministry, not my throne, not my word. (laughs) Who was that disciple that Peter, wasn't it? And he asked him, do he love me? He said, Lord, you got got the word of life. Right, Where's you life in you, man. What more do you need? We, man, we we've been given everything we need to live in this world and to help others live. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna challenge you who are listening to us today. That's all you got. It. It's there, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Imago Day, right there with you. Jesus Christ embodied is in you, just like He was in God. And that doesn't make you a God, but that makes you. Is that you get to you have God Jesus Christ living in you, right? And that allows you to live that life with help, with godly wisdom in whatever you approach. And greater is he that is in you than that which is in the world. I'm just trying to get you back to that. Amen. Nicely, nicely said. And we are at the top of the hour. This has been amazing. I can't wait for the rest of the month. This is kicking off and celebrating the Black History Month, where we're focusing on Black history, Black family, and the Black church. And we're going to dive into other topics like the male, you know, the man, the Black man, the Black Mm. woman, you know, just issues of what's going on today. But we are so happy that you joined us today. I want to um, sum it up with something you said, Dr. T, that I thought was so incredible. And you said Mm -hmm. this. Stop letting the culture create your paradigm. Wow. That's really, really powerful. And on that note, we're ending, my friends, and we will see you next time. So make sure you tune in all this week. We'll try to have shows going all week as much as possible, but we will be here every Sunday talking about these topics. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to BHM 365.
We're, we're turning the eye on African-American history as American history. And we're tackling, my friends, some of the things that makes us great and that challenges us to be better, not bitter. See you next time.